right. right. So here we are, Black Pants Legion podcast. Uh, my guest today is Mr. Diggs, one of my moderators and pals and friends. Say hello, Mr. Diggs. How you doing, everybody? So tonight on the podcast, we have a very, very special subject. Some of you guys may know that over the course of everything we've made in the Black Pants Legion land, there's been this really weird thing uh, that has kind of been an ongoing theme or a text or a spoken intonation praise zorg so tonight praise zorg oh yes praise zorg and his burning flame so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to actually explain what the fuck that means and this is going to be a special treat for people who actually listen to the podcast because i've never really given a straight answer uh on zorg or anything else which is kind of really weird for something that's become this pervasive joke i mean in the comments you see people going praise zorg you know and uh it has permeated yeah. beyond the legion a uh, hundred times over in a hundred different ways and about five percent of them are even close to what it is yeah and i i, I don't mind um i i don't mind that people get it wrong but i wanted to at least get on record an actual recorded statement of what all this means and i that that's why i think this is kind of important but i've seen it spread so i i want to make sure that there's actually a uh, genesis moment yeah documented source you can point at hey remember that podcast episode about zorg if you want to know about zorg go there because i'm not saying it yeah. anymore so um it's and, and i don't mind i don't i don't want to be that asshole who says i dare i i get mad if you uh make it your own of course you can make it your own i i'm not trying to say this belongs to me like any good meme or idea or whatever you put it out into the world and then it's it's not yours it so, circles back around to something completely different yeah exactly I, I don't fucking care i mean it's it's one of those things where you put a thing out you it has sales and it goes and it's it's beyond your ability to control it's not something that you can really just claim ownership of i can say i came up with it but it's not mine much like a meme um yeah, yeah. so the the thing is is that the zorg is an ancient and fiery god that i created and i went around the whole idea of creating lost texts because i was really uh, enamored at the time with history being a historian and i really like the idea of missing pieces of information I, I i love when there's partial histories i love where people go here's what we think happened and they have to kind of try to pull that apart and come up with meaning or you know in any sort of rational explanation for things and so you find that a lot especially with like the gnostic gospels and early christianity um, the dead sea scrolls and judaism and you find a lot of missing information, missing texts, and what have you going through it. So I said, wouldn't it be fun to create a religion that is around fire and burning, but you're not sure why? And they constantly have missing texts because they're constantly burning their own shit down. So yeah, there'll be a... You can't get a yeah. piece of paper of it because it's been burned and everything burns. Or that what survives are tiny scraps of it. So they'll have like a partial book and there's a bunch of books of Zorg all in greater volumes. And they're all just like sentences that are very cryptic. All my little Zorg sayings and everything I came up with are just very cryptic, sort of like Zen cones. And most of them praise Zorg for burning, talk about how even good and bad people burn 
There's no judgment or implied reward for it. It's just praise Zorg and be burned or be burned for not praising Zorg. And it's like, well, what if I praise Zorg? You are also burned. And it's just one of those things where it just goes in a little circle. And I really like that. And I also threw in the idea that it was, um, you know, partial translations like the original texts are lost or the original texts are lost which is another fun part of that and as well you have this routine cycle of immolation where like a guy will come out and he'll be the great speaker or prophet and he burns and then they're like oh well he burned well is that good or bad well the tank well those burn too so he always said that burning was good but we burned him because he didn't say oh no and so it just goes in circles and it just it eats itself and that's that's kind of where it came from is just uh just to kind of have fun and i also wanted people to argue i wanted people to argue over the meaning i wanted people to put their own spin on it in their head and give it its own meaning to them. So I feel like you really do that well too, because especially in SS 13 videos where it's like hell burns and stuff and praise Zorg comes out pretty often. People don't know why you just start screaming praise Zorg. So they're looking at the whole situation if they're paying attention and they're like, is yeah. it cause it's a hell burn? Is that Zorg? Is it like the burning goon station yeah. engine? Is it the fire that's eating everybody? And it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and, <laughs> and that's where you just, just like, well, you praise Zorg. And I've said that, like, where, like, me and this other engineer walked in, and I was like, you ready to praise Zorg, brother? And he's like, yeah, brother, let's praise Zorg. And we just start shoveling shit in the engine. And it's, you know, we're just two lunatics on the internet saying random crazy stuff and be like, and the fire shall rise, and it will burn and crisp the flesh. And, you know, the other guy's like, yeah, that's what Zorg said. <laughs> You know, you just That's right. I, I was there when he said it. Yeah, and then he burned me. Um, but yeah, and it's I want people to argue over it. I want people to have different interpretations of it. And the idea is is it would just provide disagreement and it's a religion that has multiple sects. So as all of these different groups, like there's one that believes if you praise Zorg, when Zorg comes to burn things, he won't burn you and you will ascend. There's another group that believes that by serving Zorg, he will burn you and that's how you ascend to heaven in the smoke. And there's another one that believes that, no, we have to prevent Zorg from burning things by praising Zorg. And then it, you have all of these people who wonder what this means. And it's just nonsense and fever dreams and crazy. Yeah, and I love the fact that it was like a book of munitions. And that's like, yes. what is munitions and explosion up to with Zorg? It's like, well, technically everything burns. Like right. And everything burns is the theme. Um, several of the books, because I wrote the original like 30 or so things. And I, I referred to the canticles of the burned and the book of munitions and all of these other things. And it's, it's a God that embraces fire and destruction, but it's not punishment. It's not like punishing the wicked or punishing the good. It's not good or evil. It's just this cyclical chaotic cycle of blowing shit up. It's like a God of fireworks. Yeah. And, and people have gotten really militant into different wings of it. So I say it's like an outlaw religion, you know, and they've tried to, sub, you know, destroy it several times. But every time it's destroyed, it comes back because these people see that as part of the cycle. Like Zorg said, we needed to be tested, you know, and so people get into that. And it all kind of all of this really got solidified in EVE Online because I created a EVE Corp called the Light of Zorg. And everyone who came in, I inducted them with our holy texts. And so <laughs> they would get murdered in EVE Online. They'd run into the wrong guy and just get blapped. And they would go, 
ah, the light of Zorg has blessed me. I am reborn again. You know, and so they, they rolled into that. Or if they blew up people, they'd be like, I'm bringing light to the non-believers, you know, literally with lasers. And so that became their, their fun thing. And so I've noticed that from Eve, we started to see it go around and Eve. Different corpse would say it like, I praise Zorg. I brought my Zorg praiser out, you know, my inferno weapons. And or uh, flamethrower. Yeah. And then you start to see it growing into tabletop. We've we recently had a Pathfinder 2E game you ran, that one shot that was pretty fun. And um, you know, we had two guys who were playing as followers, devout followers of Zorg, which was pretty yeah, fun. Yeah, we had two goblin players played by Kranos and Psydoc of the BPL. One was a monk that used a Phoenix Ember Dance, which is like pretty much changes a monk's attacks to fire-based damage and he put it as if he put oil on his hands and lit it on fire and started punching people with his burning hands and kranos actually built uh used one of the templates from another god but swapped it to uh zorg and then swapped out the uh weapon that the god favored to fire poi so kind of like spoonie using those fireballs as weapons and yeah yeah, just, yeah. The, the the whole coin? religion yeah. yeah like the koi thing yeah yeah, and, and the thing is, we've we've seen it start to be copied and spread around a bit, which is really cool, because it's like creating a meme, and then it goes out into the world, and people start using it, and you're like, ooh, that's fun. You know, I, I made a thing, and, you know, it may just last a minute, or it may last a year, or it may outlast me, and I'm fine with that, because I think that's really neat. But um, one of the things people fuck up on is I adopted, because I loved studying and uh, looking at older uh, Abrahamic religions and so on, there's that whole movement um, in in some sects of Christianity and Judaism where they don't write the word of God. Like that's forbidden, you know, so they'll do like G slash D or they'll write Jehovah, you know, they will not write God, you know, to invoke like wrath or take his name in vain. So it's Z zero RG. And that is one of the ways that we can tell who gets it because they yep. will we'll have people who are like, praise Zorg. And we'll be like, wrong. Yeah. Capital you, Z, little O R G. It's like, eh, I mean, I, I get your energy, but you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> So it's it's the whole idea of like writing writing the name of God. And that's that's just one of those things that I think is really fascinating where you end up with a a notion that you cannot know God, but you cannot invoke its name and stuff like that. And I thought that was really interesting to just kind of come up with and people count caught on like when we write in texts, because uh, we have the whole Zorg channel in the BPL, and we have people yep. who come up with really cool texts and then post pictures of pyrotechnic stuff, which is pleasing, but not the same. Yeah, it kind of discourages a mass spam of everything fire-related. Like, I don't I don't really appreciate a random anime girl standing in fire and like, yeah, totally no. Zorg. No. When it's, it's much more than that. No, it, it needs to be stupendously pyrotechnic, like a fireworks factory blowing up. That's yeah. that's that's very much yeah. That's, or driving that's, through hell with the in the California fires. <laughs> yeah, that's very much yeah. So it's it's one of those things, and you know, Zorg has spread to the point where people will say praise Zorg inside the Legion, but I've also seen it as we said leaking outside. So this is why I'm setting the record straight in part. 
And I'm also doing that because I know how the internet is very quick to try to publicize print and copyright memes. You know, people try to put shit on shirts. And one of the really bad examples I saw of that was uh, the old guardsman party, like that epic story time retelling. Right. um, Where you end up with a lot of people's work being put on t-shirts, put on coffee mugs and stuff like that. It would no credit given to the original guy or even money share, which is, really fucked up but i i just wanted to get it out there i'm fine with people using it but i also wanted to say like hey this is something that belongs kind of to the legion and the internet as a whole but at least give due credit i mean i don't think that's too much to ask You're not asking for much just like a cited source you know you yeah know. I, that, that's all i care about um i don't mind if people make it their own i mean i just want people to get the facts straight before distorting them you know <laughs> get, get the facts straight and then distort them at your leisure it's <laughs> not too much to ask yeah control distort versus made up this stuff about it right now here's the thing most people don't know and that is the specific origin as far as i can find people are a bit interested in the origin of a meme but they don't realize that sometimes the lines are a bit blurred especially with how far back some of this stuff can go because, you know, people remember stuff like uh, Zero Wing and All Your Base Are Belong to Us and stuff like that. And that's, you know, old school memes. It's easy to kind of trace it back to, no, it was this game or that game. But uh, I I kind of have actually found the genesis of where this came from. And it was just a spur of the moment thing. So there there is an episode of Armored Warfare. You may remember that tankish game that was really built by obsidian of all people yeah um and it was okay not great it was you know it's 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 a time waster much like world of tanks world of warships or what have you it's just didn't that recently come back around in the legion then it went away again yeah it came back around and it's it's a weird game it's it's like many games it could have been great and then they didn't but way back in the alpha or beta, I got a key for it and I was playing it because I was in grad school and just, you know, smoking dope and having fun. And um, there was a symbol you could put on your vehicles. And one of them was like, a, if I can remember correctly, it was like an elephant or like a fiery elephant. And so I said something to myself like, that's Zorg the elephant who shall trample the world. And then I put it in EVE Online and then I refined the idea of not not just this kind of uh, Buddhist or Hinduist sort of notion of like Kali and the dance that ends the world and what have you, like a giant angry elephant or something. I was like, no, no, <laughs> let's just say it's fire because everyone gets fire. If, if you say it's like giant turtles or elephants or something, people will go, oh, okay, or you're doing Discworld. You're doing Terry Pratchett. Yeah. And that's fine because I like Terry Pratchett. But the the original scriptures um, were me just punching out a few pages of stuff to make contradicting statements, just to make contradicting statements, because I was interested with lost texts and histories primarily. And as well, I was starting to see a trend in fantasy and sci-fi moving away from explaining nothing. I love when they don't tell you everything. That's kind of one of my big beefs with like, old warhammer 40k and new warhammer 40k yeah he's uh 
it's one of those things where it's like, we really want you to get immersed in our world. So here's every detail because no one has imagination anymore. So they can't put it together if they're not spoon fed it. Well, right. And it's it's one of those things like it, 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 you see this a lot. And I use Warhammer 40K a lot in the podcasts. I've It's because it's something I know really well. I really know it or used to know it very well. But it's it's all I use it because it's a trend and you see that a lot with a lot of things like World of Darkness with Dungeons and Dragons with video games. And it's very easy to use as an example. But one of the one of the big examples that I like getting into was when you look at how worlds are explored and how worlds are kind of slowly built out. If if I pick up a can of beans and Fallout, I don't need to know the history of the bean company. Thinking about them beans. Thinking about <laughs> them beans. I, I don't need to know the history of the bean company. I just need to know, oh, this is canned food from before the fall of humanity. And it tells a lot about the standard, the quality of living of people before the collapse. And that's that's pretty interesting. But the problem with games nowadays is they just fire hose you with shit rather than let you kind of piece it together yourself. So I... I'd noticed those trends in RPGs and games, and especially in sci-fi. And I was starting to see this trend moving away from just explaining nothing and letting people come up with it. And they had started to fill in all the history. And that's a problem for me. I like a mystery. I like to go, what really happened? Yeah. So that's that's kind of what I was getting at with Zorik, was to create something where you can't know everything. And that's just basically the genesis of it is create a religion that's based around burning stuff and make it half warning and half promises that things will burn. Things will burn. That is the common thing. Things will burn. Explosions are good. Fire is inevitable. You will be burned no matter what you do. And there is wisdom in this, supposedly. I was say like you can't you don't know that because nothing survived the burn. Well, right. So so it'll be like a man was immolated and he rose to meet Zorg. A man was immolated and he became Ash. They were both equal, and it's like what? <laughs> you know? So no. Am I seeing Zorg or Ash? Yes. Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> and so you know it was the fun of it. The the thing I find is this kind of leads me into the next big topic because that's all I really wanted to say about Zorg was just to know its genesis, know where it came from. Um, the next big thing I kind of wanted to talk with you about uh, as you have kind of leaped up and uh, started to involve yourself. And God, how many RPGs are you in right now? I don't want to talk about it right now. No, no, no. Come on. Uh, no. Okay. We I run my game Friday. Mm-hmm. I'm in a Saturday morning and Saturday evening game. So that's another, that's three. And then Sunday I have one, possibly two now. And then Monday, super late at night, I run I run another game for the late crew. Oh man, this is not looking good. <laughs> and then I have one on Tuesday and sometimes on Wednesday. Okay. So what games are you, what days are you not running games? I, well, I only run two. Well, I'm sorry, that, running but, in games. Uh, so I think I have Thursday off. <laughs> <laughs> but this, this is because I'm currently uh, in between employment as first time ever. So I'm trying to fill in the gaps with some kind of schedule. And unfortunately, that schedule is tabletop games, which is well, not right. a bad thing, but it is. No, it, no, no, no. I no. find myself even with that gap between both the games I run. Yeah. I am running ragged just trying to keep the games going forward well. So I really have to start either finding a new way to prepare for games or 
stop being so damn lazy. I, I just wing it. It's That's always been my approach. But the reason I wanted you to point that is, like, I have a very big experience in the past, in the more distant past. I'm trying to get back on my happy uh, happy bike of DMing again and getting into tabletop. And so one of the one of the things I'm really trying to get back into is just making tabletop part of my life. It made me very happy. But for a long time, I ran games. I was in games. I was in games all the goddamn time. And then I had to stop. Um, I got kind of burnt out at one point. And that, you know, I feel that once in a while these days. Like, yeah. I, I start blending together my characters a little bit, and I'm like, wait, who am I today? Right. And that's that's the thing, is I wanted to tell the audience this, so they kind of get that we have a big breadth of experience. We've played a little bit of everything, and this, I don't want people to kind of discriminate going, oh, you're just getting on that uh, RPG bandwagon, are you? You know, um, because we've kind of been part of this bandwagon for a long fucking time. And you especially, and, you have history for more time than I have ever even heard of a tabletop RPG. Well, in the reason is I also wanted you to be my co-host on this is because it's old school and new school. So we have two really interesting perspectives on this. So the history of RPGs has eras. And the olden days are Gygax, Chainmail, Greyhawk, and so on. And that's Mr. Welch's era. You know, and uh, that is that is very much Gen 1 Grognard. And Mr. Welch will tell you straight up he is a Grognard. He will never stop talking if you don't let him. If you bring up a topic like cyberpunk or Miss, Mysteria. Mistara. Mistara. Do not bring up Mistara. Dude, like, I, I followed, I was in the chat. He was kind of being quiet, talking about random things. And then another member of Legion Splatterpunk comes in and starts talking to Wells about how, you know, Cyberpunk 2020 and off it goes. And there's like a two hour nonstop talk moment from like, we had our own personal, like, like subscribe to my patron for two hours of nonstop talking to from Mr. Welsh about any setting he loves. Well, that's, that's the thing is Mr. Welch has played in RPGs for probably as long as I've been alive. And it's one of those things where he knows everything. I mean, at first I was like, Oh, this is Mr. Welch from Mr. Welch's list of things you can't do in RPGs. And he goes, yeah. And I go, Okay, if you've played all these games and so on and so forth, and I had him on a stream, like impromptu on a stream, and we just started, yeah, we just started asking him random questions about RPGs, and he was breaking down how to break them, the mechanics base, the whole history of them, just from memory, just boom, 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 dump trucking information. And this guy is like the, the ultimate grognard because he's trying to bring Mistara back by himself. As a he setting will. for D&D. He will, because he just won't stop. But he knows everything about it. Um, and he's writing that Mistara book. So if you guys want to actually check him out out there, um, Mr. Welch's Mad Musings is an incredible channel for role-playing resources. But Gen 1 is kind of Mr. Welch. That's how I would uh, describe Gen 1 RPGs. But we live in this new era where games have become mainstream which is pretty weird for me. And you have streamed games and mainstream nerdery. And now, for the most part, D&D and its ilk have gone kind of out of the basement. It's just become the, you know, you'll see people walking around with dice bags. You'll see people walking around with D&D shirts. You'll see people walking around with, you know, stuff that 10, 20 years ago would get you hammered as a nerd. 
I I do have a cheap little five dollar you know five E set, so a D four through D twenty set in my car at all times. I'm we sure are. at some point it's going to get so hot, I'll go out there and just be a melted conglomerate of plastic. But this at is the my D seventeen. I can go into a place if I'm hanging out with people, and for some reason, if I think one day it probably was, somebody goes, "Hey, let's run a game out of nowhere," and it's like a goat's brain pot. Like someone like goat who has just like a million ideas starts going at a game. I got my dice. Let me go to my car really quick. <laughs> you know, goat uh, came out here and worked uh, remotely out here for a week. And in hanging out, he came up with a new Shadowrun game in like an hour. And oh, no. No, no. It's so promising. Uh, the, the whole idea for his Shadowrun game is going to be, get this, low-end America trailer park people in Shadowrun. Not high-end, not pink mohawk and trench coat, not celebrities. I'm talking the low-end works day job at Walmart Walmart, Walmart, bruh. Um, yeah. And he's going to set it in like Ohio and West Virginia and, uh, in Pennsylvania out in the woods. And I, I was like, this is insane. Count me in. <laughs> you know, if it, if he runs it the same format as he does his, the last one, I'll drop in from time to time. Oh yeah. that's, that was the best way I've seen someone run a, sh- uh, a, Shadowrun game is rather than say the four people meet every week doing the same thing he realizes everyone has a weird schedule so he just has the roster of runners for the Seattle area and they tag in and out for different jobs and I loved it it's, it's all, like a living community but not yeah, with the insane numbers that some living community have where you literally have to opt into games and hope someone picks you he right. just he'll and, legit and, go hey uh, you're like two behind what I've ran so far if you want in you've got priority and I'm like alright well we're going in yeah, and that's that. That's what was really cool about it is it felt like a living Shadowrun community, and I was like, this is the best way to do it. And so if he does that again, he's got to start tagging people in and out because I think that's going to be fucking brilliant. But I myself um, am an old school grognard, uh, kind of a second edition D and D guy who more or less could be considered a second or third generation RPG guy in general. Cause you have your Mr. Welch and your guy Gaxian era. And then you have like people in a 30 year gap, which are like me or people like my dad. And then you have Diggs, who's a good example of new school, which for those listening doesn't mean bad. A lot of people hate the new, but new school doesn't mean bad or negative as some grognards will think. Well, that's because if you don't new, love my old obscure system that no, you can't even get people to play, then you're not yeah. a real gamer. You know, like well, I, I've had arguments with people in the Legion who are no longer in the Legion, by the way. So know who you're picking a fight with, guys. Um, they would go at me and be like, if you're not willing to try Pathfinder or 3.5, then you don't deserve to be at my table. I'm like, but you're currently playing a 5e game. So why yeah. why would you put someone in at, at like medium difficulty if they're trying to learn give them 5e if it's a tutorial or an easy mode right. because well, that gets them rolling dice and that's what they have to understand the, how the dice work and once they have the dice they can go to any system right and the the thing is is new means new new doesn't mean bad because at one point i was new and at one point mr welch was new and at one point gary gygax was new making it up yeah exactly so it's it's one of those things where there's always going to be a new guy and it's what you do today that will determine whether they call you a grognard in 20 years. And the problem is when you start gatekeeping that and you know, new means new, that's it. And some people need to make peace with that. 
They really do. And I'm with you when it comes to like getting people into RPGs. If I want you to play Pathfinder, I don't need to be, oh, you don't play Pathfinder and use the, the only true Scotsman logical fallacy where I'd be like, oh, you, you don't do this. You're not a real blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, when I consider someone a real D&D guy, I, I don't say you play this edition or that unless it's fourth. They can fuck right off. But the, the thing is, is if you're a real D&D guy, you have to not only play in a game that lasts longer than three sessions, but run a game that lasts longer than three sessions. That's what I consider to be the hump. If you can do that, you're legit. And that's going to be my challenge getting back into it. But I don't think you'll have a problem getting people to show up for three sessions, even if it's a clusterfuck, just because they'll it, be like, eh, it's text. It's, hey. te- it's text running a game. I'm probably, believe it or not, I, I thought about it because um, you're in it and Mike's in it. And Mike was like, Matt. yeah, Matt is guardian. That's going to be cool seeing him come out of the woodwork because he remembers. Oh, when I can't wait. He, I love that guy. He remembers when Elf was a class and uh, he that's his he's he's like Gygax era of D&D. And so um, that he's going to be really funny in 40K where it's just brutal and hilarious because he's going to be like, wait, I can do what? Because <laughs> he's so wholesome. But um, one of the one of the things that really makes me laugh is when you look at generationalism in D&D, it's fighting for no reason unless it's fourth edition, then you can fuck right off. But <laughs> the, the thing is, is that people try to say this is the best or that is the best and it's the best for you. Like if you came down to writing alone, I would say that Cyberpunk 2020 has some of the best written books in tabletop ever. It's gorgeously written. It's a beautifully written world. In terms of actual combat and crunch, that's where it starts to not be as fun as something like straight up D100 like Dark Heresy is. And people like, I, fall, I get yeah. the lethality in Dark Heresy. I've seen it. and But it makes sense. Cyberpunk it just has such a one step and you're immune to everything next up you're moved to most things like yeah you have to and the fact that it gives you like five base enemies like this is shit goon this is three medium goons and this is like ultra elite goon with like a power exoskeleton and you can't even hurt them without doing at least 15 damage no nine millimeter that game nine millimeter that game could do over 13 that means if you have skin weave you're essentially unkillable with any sort of, um, I don't, I don't remember what the stat was like endurance or whatever. The one that gives you some like oh, damage yeah. removal. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, I was able to roll really high on my solo when I tried 2020 and I got skin weave immediately and I could just stand in front of every enemy that he sent at us. Cause they were all using nine millimeter shots. So full auto 12 hits on me, head, 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 chest, chest, leg, chest, chest. chest. I'm like, and then I yeah, kill them. It, then I pull out a longbow and I shoot them with an arrow. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, it basically turned you into Rambo, where everyone's yeah. spraying bullets at you, and you're like, "Hey, is that a nine millimeter?" And they're like, "Yeah, we got nine millimeters." And you're like, "Good, I'm I'm safe. Don't worry." About it. You know, it's just, and that's why I love Dark Heresy. Is it's like he's got a fucking bazooka. You need to be away from that. He's going to yeah. fuck you up, or he's going to knock the building down and it'll fall on you. You know, just. Do use your brain, but it's, it's going to be fun. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the thing is that when it comes down to s- settings and what have you, one of the big things that I 
really hate is when people read the rules as written. Like one of my least favorite things, one of my absolute least favorite things is when someone has the rule book or the module and they read straight from the module and put you right on the train tracks and just push you down it. And you're like, yeah, but I, I want to do this and I want to fuck with that. And I want to, oh, let's go over here and then, yes, well, then this happens and then this happens and then this happens. And I find, unfortunately, that's kind of a trend that is in both categories of new school and old school. People who read modules as written and won't change anything. I think it's probably comes from a, like just distinct lack of um, experience or maybe the creative gates a little bit too quick at them. Yeah. Like they set up an adventure and they know there's like two or three towns to go to and there's a couple things in each town, but then you end up in this cave no matter what because of that's where all the towns point to. But then you're like, well, I don't want to do that. And they're like, I'm, 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 uh, a witch makes you do it anyway. <laughs> and that, that was kind of my issue with a lot of, and, and I, I even hate that in like video games. And I know in video games they have to. Like we were playing Fallout on the Courtesy Flush. Um, and really good, by the way, everyone check that out. Scrambles, by the way, I'm probably going to run my game over there just because earth. Yeah. Earth. Scorpion. Scorpion. Yeah. Cave. 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 <laughs> I, you, you have people come up to you, here, come here. I want to talk to you. Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, Oh, okay. Have a good day. Yeah. I, I love that that game allows you to do that but, but it was great because you walk in it's like this is one of the main quest covers like hey welcome to the city i might have a job for you Burp! you know what i don't have time for you <laughs> <laughs> he just sits there and goes well good luck that's <laughs> oh, great yeah so i mean yeah i might run my game over on the courtesy flush because mike can do foley he can do all the sound effects and stuff which would be kind of cool that way, I also don't have to worry about recording it and then waiting to try to find time to edit it and then uploading it and all of that other work. So I'm trying to find. Oh, you mean that you dark your dark heresy game on yes. the and have him run? Oh, you know what? He's been getting a lot of practice with the sound effects from Shadowrun. He just yeah. has to make sure that they're appropriate for your setting. Yeah, so it's not like the Space Station 13 fart sounds and well, you or know. or the random communication sound from Star Trek. <laughs> it's like, woo, woo, woo. It's like oh, Ryan here. <laughs> So, I mean, but yeah, and, and back, back to the kind of, I guess, central point of this is I wanted to have two different opinions on RPGs from two different generations, two different unique experiences. And I want to talk about the shit we love, the shit we hate in the wild and wonderful world of RPGs. So, Diggs, what are your favorite characters you've played and why? Yeah, that's such a hard one because I've had a lot of fun with a lot of like one shot characters because it's sure. so stupid. But why? It's 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 one of those things of describe a character that clicked for you that just you loved. Well, this is this is a two part answer because part of me loves playing characters that are pushing a line of a meme or an edge or something stupid, uh, just because the idea is you're it's a joke that works and it keeps people laughing. The downside mm, is when yeah. it, when it's so long that it becomes the meme is now over. Like for yeah. example, our Pathfinder game when I was playing the gnome in the beginning, I'm not the gnoblin, gnome. You know, I went all crazy with that meme because it was the hot meme at the time. Yeah, and then like 
te- like, I don't know, seven episodes in, I don't want to fucking hear the gnome joke again. I'm not no. into it, but everyone, like, once in a while, someone will bring it up, and I'm like, ha-ha, that's me, I'm the gnome. There I am, still, yeah. like, doing dental work. Like, <laughs> well, it, it's weird, we were not but, a good group of people. No, we that. were not. But, like, we overall, not. it was a fun idea. And yeah. if that was like a one shot or like maybe a short adventure, it'd have been fine. But at the point I was like, all right, I'm exhausted from this joke. Yeah. And I, I could see that because the, the concept of that game was basically we played door fortress for real. Like we set up the, the bed and breakfast or as we called it, the loaf and floor. Um, which was really fun as a concept because we, we had kobold playing a, a well cobalt uh, yeah i mean he he played this no i don't want to say a cold i want to play like the stereotype cobalt is what he did yeah he, and he, he did dug tunnels he's collected teeth he set traps underneath like outside of people's beds i mean yeah he's always staring at you in the darkness out of range with his little glowing eyes it was always yeah. really a creepy situation it was great he made that cobalt just terrifying um and you know games like that are fun but you said it was a two-part well, the second part is like, uh, well, so far that first part, it's like, uh, if I know I'm playing a one shot, I'll play like one of my favorite characters ever made just for fun's sake was Shadow Moon. Oh, he, yeah. he, he was a ranger with a um, a bear companion that he ke- didn't remember the name of, but he had like this super tragic backstory where his oh, his no. closest friend who was the bear who is still alive died so he kept sending the bear out to get killed at, at monsters like hey go kill that thing i'll sit back here and like he never took damage the whole campaign except the very end with some of him he's like no one makes me bleed my own blood like straight up like super mega edgelord kind of like shade blade from uh let's say goatsky yeah Yeah. but like that was really fun because i could physically see my girlfriend and hearing people online cringing at my shitty one-liners and talking yeah but but i don't think i would have been able to handle that more than two or three games before i'm like okay this is stupid but i think my most favorite character still currently playing is tristan aegis who is a lawful idiot paladin uh, he doesn't even know how to really read his holy text from uh, Paladum. Yeah. yeah. So he just makes up his own rules as he goes. So he's allowed to kind of skirt the line. Like he's like, he always has good wisdom and he always has really great charisma. And whatever he says, it makes him look very well. And he kind of like feels like he's blessed by the Thander because he's really in, um, um, what are they called? Asimars? Yeah. Yeah, so he's an Asimar, but he never he doesn't have any real way to show it. So he thinks like his sight in the dark is a blessing from his god. Oh and god. everything is rationalized in his head just because his god loves him so much, so he can't be wrong in his thing. But he's also a pretty deep character suffering from survivor syndrome because he was on a small he was on a, a pilgrimage for Lathander, the Order of the Asters, which is uh, from Waterdeep. And he ended up they stumbled upon a village under attack and everyone besides him died except uh, one villager, which he took under his wing and helped pretty much made this random tribal lizard folk, a cleric of the Thander who also doesn't know what the hell the God is, but is getting powers from it. Yeah. So, why not? But, so he feels so bad that all of his allies and companions died that he thinks that this lizard folk is his paying back for his life being saved, but he doesn't believe he should be alive. And hmm. the, you know, good old Bean runs it, and Bean actually has a really, like, brings a lot of that into the world unexpectedly. You'll just, he'll do something that he knows purposely will cause me as my character to go, oh, no. 
<laughs> and he'll just kind of have these moments where he's just like kind of shaking or trying to pray, but he can't really focus on it. And it's like, it's, it's one of my most enjoyable characters because I'm really invested in it and I really enjoy the people I play with. That's good. I mean, I, for me, I liked, I like in our Deltard green game that we've got, I, I like playing Groves. Um, Graves. Groves, man. I know it's Graves now. He's a killer. <laughs> he is. Um, Benedict Bainbridge Groves of Harvard, who, who is just the biggest fop and dandy, and he's absolutely useless in combat, but he's, 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 he, it, it's become the running joke of the campaign where it's like, oh, God, we got to call this into the agency. And they're like, let Groves do it. And he's like, okay, so we had a small problem. Maybe the school burned down. No big deal. No big deal. We're on it. But uh, we did discharge a firearm in a nursing home. <laughs> and a deputy is like, I can hear him trying to stop laughing because he we can't. just, yeah. Or, or, or when you um, misspoke as your character the first time, oh, b -b 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 <laughs> and you're like, yeah, "Fuck it, God that's damn it." That was so good though, because you're like, "Fuck it, I'm leaning into it." Yeah, you know, it's, that, it's, that it's, moment. it's literally the first session, and I completely at a beat as something doesn't. So it sounds like I bumbled, and then everyone just said, "What?" And then I just was like, "Bah bah 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 bah." I'm wondering if you could bah, bah, maybe uh, give me a and on the and, <laughs> yeah. and everyone was just and even we like, couldn't breathe. Deputy was like, if you continue this, this is going to take way more than five hours. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. all right, I'll cut it down. And I brought it up as if I'm nervous or really scared or inconfident, I'll start bumbling. But I've just mostly been always scared, so I can't just make it happen. <laughs> but it was so funny because you're like, help me. I need to be here with you. And people were like, what? <laughs> it was it was so good. But I mean, that's the thing is you just got to roll into that. Like, oh, I fucked up. Oh, no, this is fine. Um, I enjoyed yeah. playing uh, later or Magos Errant and then later Arch Magos Fermi um, and Goat's uh, Contagion game. That was fucking great because Fermi didn't give a fuck. And Fermi was obsessed with explosives. And so, you know, people would be like, how are we going to get out of this tomb? And he's like, it is no matter for one of my skill. And then he would just blow shit up. And that was that was always fun. Um, I like playing Horatio and Mike's game. Uh, the drunkest captain in Starfleet. Where he's just like throwing bottles at people. And, you know. Uh, Orion. I, I, oh, I mean, yeah. I always kind of, th I kind of throw him out as like a character because it was just so fun to play it. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel like I was playing a role playing game. It just felt like I was being an asshole, but caring asshole. So it's all like Orion here. It's like, yeah, oh, I don't know who this is. I call back later. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what was the whole great. feeling. It just Crow just had this natural indication to let anything you do with him just go right to him and he responded almost uh, near perfectly every single time that you tried to like curveball him or be weird he'd just be like okay roll a dice he's like you did that <laughs> yeah and that's that's that that whole crew was just too good because we were constantly like all right we fucked up we gotta erase the tapes boys and you know just constantly pulling shit out of our ass which really is kind of star trek you know it's just like the engine needs 30 minutes to recharge and we're like we got eight all right let's let's get down there and start pulling plugs you know or for the gorn to uh, just hit things with boulders that's how we upped our speed how do we get faster we bam bam boulder 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we had so much fun and, um, I enjoyed playing Zev, you know, tiefling monk, just answering everything with like Zen cones and, and unnerving people. Um, I like playing Zek, the uh, the the Russian garbage man. You know, it is it is garbage day, <laughs> and uh, just crushing people with that fucking garbage truck that plays the uh, Soviet national anthem every time it's turned on. Yes, um, and I think that it's fun to discuss these characters. A lot of the examples I've given are just the more recent ones. Otherwise, I'd be here all day talking about characters I played, but. I think that it shows our approach to RPGs that we'd rather play a cool character than a good stat block. Yeah, I'm not into like I'd like to be I have like in my defense, my natural indication is to be a min-maxer because I want to feel effective. I want to feel like I'm helping. And well, yeah. one and two times I did like kind of just a wacky build or something like in Pathfinder, I was do I felt so lackluster and I knew the game wouldn't go on long enough to make myself effective that I kind of just gave up on it. So now instead of min-maxing, I just make someone who's effective and then just focus completely on how they are as a character, not really a stat block. Like whatever they yeah. can do, they can do, but that's because that's their level. Right. And I, I get that because it's, it's one of those things where I find that there's role players R O L L and there's role players R O L E. And the thing is, is that if you have a guy who constantly tries to game the system, break the system and so on, the rest of the party becomes useless. But if you find someone who's really good at one thing and then you have everybody's got their skill sets, then you get that kind of cool meatloaf of character where you see in our shadow run games where it's like, Hey, we got a gun guy. We got a hacker guy. And, we got and then whatever mage. that guy is. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we got Wee Woo. And oh, know, God. we, and I can't stress this enough, Woo. You know, and, I yeah. love Wee Woo. It was the second character ever that finished a game. Like, yeah. he he was a sec- effectively the best decker due to drugs that the game's ever seen. Uh, he had more money than God, never upgraded his stuff ever. He had, he only had his stuff he got when he got started. And then at the end, the last run we did, he made enough money in that one run to not only retire by a clinic slash hospital medical center, the Wee medical center. He also was able to opt out and give everyone like a really good loyalty and connection boost, including any kind of emergency, like keep you alive syndrome, even if you're fully dead now. But yeah. I was able to like complete a full arc playing this idiot fat cunt who whose distinct style just made him run around screaming wee woo every time he was nervous. That would get his his get his uh, uh what's it what was it called the magic uh, he had Gaius um, oh yeah he's an yeah, adept yeah, yeah. so pretty much so he, in order for any of his powers to work his heart rate had to kick in so he'd see someone get shot or a drone go down he'd be like oh wee woo and then like his shoulder pad lights would go on on command and he'd start running like if he was like a fat guy trying to get to in front of the line of like some Arby's yeah and trying and, to repeal somebody and I was so glad he was finally able to retire one, one of my favorite crowning achievements though in, in tabletop was in the game we were both in where we played uh, Curse of Strahd and a lot of people have gamed Curse of Strahd um, because they've read we the book. Not. No, we did not. Uh, because I've I played in Ravenloft before, and me asked me like, "Do you know the setting?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I know. This place sucks." And um, 
you know, a lot of people have read ahead and gamed because they realize they can't be killed at certain points in the story. So they, you know, that's where you get stories of like, yeah, I just kept throwing food at Strahd or, you know, whatever other shenanigans because they realize they can't be killed at that point in the story. So they just kind of shit all over the DM. But um, one of the things that I managed to pull off was not only did I rob Strahd's house, but I gave a fake name to the party and I gave a fake name to Strahd. And at the very end of the campaign, everyone was like, oh, and so and so does this and so and so does that. And like the good, the bad and the ugly, I walk off into the sunset with the fucking money and they're like. You know, Strahd will be writing you a letter. And I was like, well, good luck, because he doesn't know my real name. And then it hit the rest <laughs> of the party that my character had lied the whole time about his past, his name, his connections, everything, because he was a diehard criminal. <laughs> and I was like, no, that's not who I am at all. And people were like, what? And after doing that for like a year, that's it's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, we, we had really good times in Strahd, and all of our characters were totally not optimized to be... Like, no, we went, no. Everyone in there... It was my first 5e game, because my, my fir- technically I had like one Pathfinder game, and then I had um, a real-life Pathfinder game going that didn't really go anywhere. Uh, but that was my first 5e game, and finished game ever, and it went on for like a year and a half-ish. And uh, I, ha- I played a retard Furbolg who just kept trying to pour soup into his backpack. Well, I mean, you got to take it for later. Yeah, I'm, I yeah. got to have that soup. Um, you got to have that soup, man. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that character was super fun to play. And the fact that I became like a legitimate monster. Like, yes, there was no the way end, to tell yeah. my character was anything besides an undead lich beast of like Insano. But he was still a nice guy. Like if anyone looked, if anyone did like detect good and evil or divine sense, they could tell that he was still like a good neutral character. I but agree. He was just so monstrous. There was no going back to the real world or back to my family because short of a wish spell, I couldn't get it all away. Yeah, and I wasn't your, getting your guy one. Was turbo cursed. Yeah, he had like extra fingers. His face had a stroke. Half of it was melted. His eyes were p- yellow pools of starlight. Uh, he stunk like mad. He had fur, and uh, it was just gross. But um, careful in the Amber Temple, kids. But he had yeah, such a um, high charisma save that he couldn't not he couldn't fail any of those to go bad. So he's like at the end, he knew that one of the other party members failed and went bad. So he used his last finger of death to take him out. <laughs> that was fun, and I mean. It's it's kind of where I want to lead this is where we talk about, you know, approaches to RPGs and what makes the best and worst approaches to a character and as a DM. And I, I think that one of the big things I say is just roll with it. Just roll with it. Don't try to force an outcome. Don't try to say I'm the coolest, deadliest, blah, 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 or I'm the greatest, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, I learn more about myself when I fuck up than when I succeed. And... You know, part of that's just me being hard on myself, which is I always am. But it's it's also the reality of any character you're going to live through. Like they're not going to have a perfect life, but they're not going to have like epic, sad, tragic backstory every time. It's going to be somewhere in the middle and they're going to have good days and bad days. And so I find that it's just wing it, wing it and go for it. But from the DM side of things, I used to DM a lot. And one of my maxims was let the players do whatever the fuck they want, but have consequences for it, but never say no. 
And I, I remember one of the great examples of that was my guy uh, in a Dark Heresy game said, can I steal this car? I said, sure. And it was a hover car. And they were like uh, 50 stories up in this garage. And the guy stole it. And I said, are you sure you want to steal this car? And he's like, I ain't afraid of the guy. I killed the guy who owned it. So I'm not fucking. I'm like, okay. And he, he jury rigged this car to steal it. Uh, turns out, one, he didn't know how to drive a hover car. Two, he didn't know how to fix one. So he had this car jury rigged together. I make him roll to do a piloting check. He's unfamiliar with the damn thing. And he also has kind of fucked it up in jury rigging it. So he takes off, fails his roll, and then just plummets to the earth and dies. And so the, he, it's funny because I start laughing at the table and the other people are like, oh my God, he's dead. But I was like, imagine this guy who's like, see you later, motherfuckers. And like <laughs> burns out and then it just falls out of the air and hits the ground. Yeah, and and he's like, "That's so dumb." And I was like, "You you did it." I I it's like someone pulling the pen on a grenade and going, "Can I do this?" And I'm like, "Sure." And they're like, "Okay, I'll let go of the spoons." And I'm like, "The time's ticking, bud. <laughs> Make a decision." But what do you think are um, good philosophies and bad philosophies as as a DM and as a player? Yeah, it's really hard to come by. I feel like. One of my personal ones, and maybe because I'm just a little bit jaded at this <clears> point with the snowflake level of some people who want to play. <clears throat> I get it's fantasy, but there should be a realistic level of why Why would a Warforge that's built to be like a Kenku who is also some kind of bardic fighter exist in my world where there's no constructs and no Eberron? And like, I, I want, I my thing is build a character that fits the world. Because yeah. usually when you're joining a game, you're you're joining a world that someone has either pre-wrote or something they're building themselves. And while I like to build a story around them, I don't want to change the entire dynamic of my universe to fit because you want to play something that normally does not exist. Well, right. And that's that's one of those things is like for for a long time, people hated Drizzt, uh, the good drow. Oh, yeah. Because the good drow. <laughs> yeah. There, well, there was a whole army of good drow. For for a long while, there was just a whole army of of good drow, and in, and you started to see it, and they'd be like, "Oh, it's the Drizzt effect," and you know that's that's kind of shitty um, for most people because people weren't original, and they just kind of stole an idea, and then they just uh, copy pasted it into everything, and that's not fun for everybody, but it also doesn't help you as a player, and one of the things that also kind of was something I noticed like sadly noticed was the look at me tiefling. I used to enjoy playing tieflings a lot, but when a certain subset of people who have to be the look at me, uh, I'm different. I'm unique. I'm, Oh, I got devil horns or I've got an angel halo or, you know, I'm a kitty cat or whatever. They, they just, <laughs> they want to be unique. And the problem is, is in a tabletop party, everyone's unique. I mean, when you have a guy, you're, who can, you're heroes. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you're literally heroes. Like, when you have a guy who can like pull someone apart like hot bread, you know, it doesn't matter if you have like goat horns or not. It it's the fact that you can pull someone apart like hot bread. People kind of miss the mark on that. Expanding on that is something I always tell players, especially ones that have I played with before or ran for and they they want all this like I use snowflake loosely because just a way to saying like you're doing something abstract of the norm, like right. The, here's the base races. Here's some extended races and here's races from magic, the gathering that 
I, in my opinion, doesn't fit in any, like, why, why? But anyways, yeah. if you're unable to make a vanilla human or elf or dwarf an enjoyable and interesting character, no, doesn't matter how much flavor you throw on your race or class, it's not making you interesting. No, I agree. You, if you I can't portray agree. what you're trying to do, you're wasting your time because everyone's going to immediately forget that you are an X or a Y because you're not interesting enough or dedicated enough to your character. You're too busy trying to fit what you tried to do. And I feel like if you want to have a good time, pick the most vanilla stuff in the world and then make people remember you use do that challenge and then expand your horizon. Don't start with the Warforge uh, paladin of the machine God, because if you're just sitting there walking around going, Hey guys, how's it going? You're not really playing a Warforge. If you're, if you're not screaming, holy texts about machinery is stronger than flesh. You're not really role playing. Like yeah. your, your fluff does not make your character. And if you cannot make any character interesting, don't play a special character. Like focus well, right. on being entertaining and leaving a mark on your players in DM. Well, right. And I, one of my maxims is never play the same character twice. And that's, that's something I see a lot of in tabletop games where the guy goes, I'm the edgy elf ranger from parts unknown. And then like in Shadowrun, I'm the edgy elf ranger from upstate Oregon. Or then they get into dark heresy. I'm the dark Eldar ranger. And I'm like, no, play something different. Just don't do the same thing every time because then you'll never learn. And then you won't have fun. My, my, the only time I ever take an exception on that is when you attempted a character and the either the game didn't work out for you, didn't go on long enough where you never really got to feel it. Cause of course, if I have a current game with X character, he's locked in that dimension. If it, unless it's like, a two or three game and I really enjoy it. I'll bring him to another game and just refine what I wanted to, or maybe change a class or something. But if every character you play is, Oh, my favorite race is Kenku and my favorite, uh, classes are monk or rogue. So you're always going to be a, a puncher and stabber. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's your whole gimmick is that you really like to be birds who can't talk well and stab or punch. Yeah. And that's, that's really the thing is, Play something unique, play something fun, play something you know you can do. I mean, it, it would be really cool to be James Bond, but you're not James Bond. It would be really cool to be Ash from Evil Dead, but you're probably not going to do that. But that doesn't mean you can't play a character with elements of those that you like. It's just don't try to match something you saw once and identify with, because I've played in games time and time again with a guy who always plays. I'm the Tuffy McTuff Billy badass fighter guy. Shout out to Laws. Who's what? Laws is that guy. He wants his big numbers. He wants to challenge the war boss directly. He wants to be the champion or the biggest gun or whatever. Well, and I, I challenge people who find themselves stuck in an archetype, whoever they may be out there, whoever they may be just to embrace new. So if you play a guy who's really tough and can just wreck house like I did with the Dark Heresy game with Fermi, a guy was a technical, technological genius, a social moron, and able to kill anything with his bare fucking hands. And then I play in my next game and I go, I'm not going to play that guy. I'm not going to play anybody who has any of those strengths because I want to see what I feel like when I play something that's a social character. 
And then I want to play a character who has leadership qualities or a character who has no leadership qualities. And so I find myself moving into different archetypes and embracing that. And I, I find there's also kind of a problem with that when you play the same game over and over again, because I love three, five, but if I had to play three, five for 20 years, I would never grow as a character. I never grow as a DM and I would have the same adventure a hundred times. And if you don't change and embrace new things, you won't have new adventures. And it's one of those things where you need that newness. You need something different. So it's why I play a little bit of D&D 5e, a little bit of Pathfinder, a little bit of Dark Heresy. I like all these different systems because I can have a different experience in each of them, but I can also learn new things about myself in the process. I also do enjoy doing that because I love learning new systems in general just because you find strength and weaknesses in your own personal systems and you find strength and weaknesses in other systems. And in that way, you kind of have the agency because all games, all tabletop games should run it the way you feel is better to homebrew or at least flex on some of like the nice ideas from another system. I'm not yeah, saying of course. compile your favorite system if that's not like up to your task, but I really like uh, the Pathfinder second edition's three action system but I really hate it's explorer mode where you have to like dib out calling for a search or sneak and that like, I'd rather just my players tell me what they're doing and I don't, they don't have to, you know, that's yeah. how they want to play. You don't want to say, well, I opened my book and now I'm reading it. You just want to say I'm preparing spells. Yeah. You, yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying. Specific actions are kind of annoying because that was always a problem in three Oh and three five where people are like, Oh, are you searching for traps? Well, of course I am. You know, and it, it becomes one of those things where you'd have DMs that just kind of capitalized on mechanics that weren't exactly said. Um, so leading into that, what do you think is your favorite system and why? Uh, that's really hard at the moment because um, 5e has always been my default. It's one of those games that I can take a pair of dice to anybody in any situation, even in just Discord using a robot, and I can legitimately play a game. People can just declare race and uh, class, and then we can start rolling. And there's really no more complication than that. I mean, yeah, you have your uh, class abilities and all that, but that's all like secondary to pretty much having an adventure. But then again, I can come up with two D6s and do the same thing and just make up stuff in my head. Is that high enough? Is that low enough? Blah, blah, blah. Um, But like I said, I've been doing a lot of research and kind of building for Pathfinder 2nd Edition, and as more and more that's pulling me towards that. But I've really enjoyed Traveler... I liked Black Crusade. The little bit of Rogue Trader I did was fun. I mean, the 40k systems are... they Each of them have their goods and bads. Delta Green, it's okay. Like, I'm glad that it's uh, it's very, like, you know, has most of the options available for you, but then you realize you don't have 90% of them. So it's like, who the hell knows how to use a computer? I don't know anything about a computer. Um, but I still think, even to this day, even though uh, I haven't played it in a long time, just the World of Darkness system just seems to... Yeah, I just love the seems... flexibility. It's yeah. three mental stats, three physical stats, three social stats. Then you have your special... I mean, then you have your general actions for each, and then each of those can be specialized. So, if you want to do anything, you just go, um, that seems like it would be this and this, and then maybe you could throw in that skill. So then you're like... Holy shit, there's really nothing you can't mix and match with this the, this kind of cross like two abilities and a and a skill. And I just love how flexible that is. Yeah, and I I'm a D100 guy. 
uh, through and through because there are some significant issues with D20 when especially you start getting up and power scale because uh, like yeah. levels 1 to 20 in D&D is fun 20 plus is just comparing stat blocks where you're just like okay how many hit dice do you have and you're just like getting into some fun math and you know <laughs> when when you have to resolve an attack and break out calculators you're like okay this sucks but, i'm gonna heighten uh, this spell three spell levels and but i'm also yeah. since i'm a fire aspect uh, and i can re-roll my ones then since i'm in kind of it's kind of hot out and there's no rain today it does extra and then it just keeps compounding it's like then i got my headband of plus 27 intelligence because you know who needs that yeah and it, it becomes like quigley down under you know lining up that perfect shot rather than being in a real fight and just throwing you know your weight to the fences which is i like high lethality systems because that was always a problem i had with with even D D. um in D D, you become a really high level guy and you could like take a nap in the center of town just get drunk as shit and lay down on the cobblestones and a guy could come up with an axe and just start chopping on you and you could wake up in time to beat him to death with your shoes and in in dark heresy i love it where you know you start off with maybe 10 11 hit points and uh your base gun is 1d 10 plus 2 and uh yeah you know don't be dead roll you die <laughs> yeah and well and the idea is is it teaches you to use cover and it teaches you to go okay before i go in this gunfight i, I gotta start thinking about this because gunfights are very quick and so you're sitting there going Okay, well, what if we um, stage a distraction? What if we use smoke? What if we use our massive advantages and firepower to just pin them down? And I, I like Dark Heresy as a system a lot. I like Rogue Trader a lot. I think um, Black Crusade and Death Watch were both not very well done. I like Only War. I'm more liking first edition Dark Heresy than second, but they never finished second. Um, because Games Workshop regained the license on that, which is sad. I really loved Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 2nd Edition. Um, not a huge fan, as some may know, of D&D 4th Edition, because I saw it as the money grab that it was supposed to be, and as well... I mean, you only told it to fuck off twice, so I don't see why you would right. hate it. <laughs> um, I, I hate the fact that it was made in like 12 months, and it was made to be non-backwards compatible, so they could just sell new books. It, it was a money grab, it was a cash grab, and it was done to more or less shit on everyone. And, you know, it, it worked for them. They made a shitload of money, but it's it's not something I enjoy when a company just kind of does that sort of, you know, let's see how hard we can fuck people and get them to pay us. And that was that was one addition that really stands out. I also have um, kind of a sour taste in my mouth for Savage Worlds. Um, because I, can, I know why. I've played it a few times now. Sa Savage Worlds is weird because they bought a bunch of systems. They didn't really make them. They they just like they bought Deadlands that was defunct and so on. And so they they've kind of blurred the lines a little and been like, oh yeah, we're we're the guys who do Deadlands. And you're like, hmm. How do you play? Oh, <laughs> well, we bought it. Um, the other thing is they Savage Worlds has a lot of ripoff games. So they're like, it's not Call of Cthulhu. It's uh, Rippers. And you're like, hmm. And so it, it has, a, has a lot of near games. It's kind of like the off-brand RPG. There's, there is some cool stuff in Savage Worlds, but it's always had kind of a negative uh, connotation with me because it feels like it's, a, it's kind of a knockoff, kind of generic-y. And for that same, same reason, I, I also don't like GURPS, you know, because GURPS is the engineer's 
tabletop game where it's like, hold yeah. on, let me get my GURPS guide on ancient Aztec mythos and religions because I'm running a game set in ancient Aztec land and, you know, everything's really specific. Dude, even Pablo was, start, you know, Pablo had the short term, he probably dropped it because of his recent addiction to another video game idea for a Fallout campaign using GURPS. And I told him, yeah, I'm a little full right now. And plus Delta Green, all that. And he's like, all right, we'll do it next week. I'm like, well, technically my game's next week. All right, we'll do the following week. Well, I need another week for that. Oh, okay, we'll do it next week. Oh, we're doing Delta Green. So he had an idea of using GURPS and he sent me like just the base GURPS and base GURPS is super easy. I mean, Mm -hmm. it it is, here's your stuff, but then he's all like, Oh, and for this, we'll be using this one. And then I was like, wait, so I went, I went online I typed in GURPS and I wanted to know how many books there were. And it is exactly what you described. It's like, do you want a a sunless world uh, book and setting? Here's a whole book on how to deal with sunless and light. And here's how to deal with, um, industrial age, uh, technology. And here's like, and it just continuously goes to almost everything you can think of. And I'm like, who the hell is sitting at GURPS? Whoever makes this. Oh, let, let's do that. Ancient Aztec postmodern futurism. So it's like the Aztecs shot up in their, in their giant pyramids. Now they're in space and they're super advanced, but they're still like having that same old Egyptian vibe. Yeah, and that's that's GURPS to a T, is they've got a book on everything and not not something I would say is necessary. They've they've never created something where I've said, Wow, this needs to exist. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, we we need you to understand what it's like to role play as uh, intelligent cave fungus. And and you're like, What? And they're like, Well, here's the GURPS cave fungus book. <laughs> um so favorite moments or character arcs, um, fa- favorite moments from tabletop games. I think is the entirety of, uh, the star Trek game. That the was more, great. The more I think about it, the more I realize that that was the only game that I did not every single game I've been part of, like the game is coming up on and I go, am I in the mood? Do I feel like it? And most, and almost every time, yes, because I did, you know, making a promise to a group of people to be active in a game and be there. And when I get there, I'm fine. But that was the only game, like, after it's over, I'm like, next week, man, next week. I gotta get, yeah. I can't wait till next week so I can roll around the chair some more. Well, that's, that was the thing is that that game was joyful. Uh, it was, it was always something fun. Uh, Mike was first time DM. He nailed it right on the head. It had the right energy. It had a good preparation, but not over preparation. And the games were always like under three hours. It was just, here's my thing. Energy, 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 shit to do. But if we like episode bl- done, yeah, it was just go. And I was like, that is, that is ideal. And there was a lot of extra stuff in that. That I really enjoyed the sound effects and everything else and all the nods to original series. That was, that was so well done. It was really good. Did, was that his, I know it was his first time DMing, but did he ever play any tabletop before that? Like, does he have a little any, bit, like, I don't little know bit. what systems he ever played. Just, no, just a little bit and a long time ago. Not, not really, not a lot. Never got, never stuck with it until that. Yeah. But it shows, it shows that you don't need to follow a school of thought or anything else to be great at, D&D or anything else. You just got to do it. You just got to get out there and fucking do it. And I 
I think that that really stands through. And if you if you disagree, if you think a first time DM has to be clumsy, go watch Star Trek. Go watch Star Trek on the courtesy flush, and you will see how it's done. Um, one of my favorite moments of all time in tabletop, though, has to be Stagger's speech because. I, I know everybody I know no one has heard it besides the five people who were there and, and you they hear about it constantly and the only part people remember at all is tonight we dine dine in concrete, in concrete. and it's yeah, like so ah, i want to know more and he can't even recall it he's like no oh, one fucking i was super drunk yeah well that was the thing is nobody everyone who was there says it was the funniest thing they've ever heard in any tabletop game everyone who was there but no one can remember it because we were all laughing so hard and I couldn't even think of hitting record. It, it was like Jupiter's cooking thing. You know, it was just, well, we did hit record on that. We, luckily. Yeah. That was recorded because that was insane. But there was that one moment where we all just die laughing. Um, it was the stagger had to give, they were reenacting in this giant arena, the battle of hell's reach. And he had to give the black Templars chaplain's speech and goat has given him the speech to read and Stagger is like, he's just worked, you know, a long ass shift in the hospital. He's fucking exhausted and he's playing this game till he passes out and he's had drinks and he's eaten food. And so he goes, all right, here we go. Gentlemen, tonight we dine in concrete. And he goes on and on and on. And it's meandering and every, every so often there's little bits of the original speech in there. And then there's parts of it that was like Macbeth. There's a whole part where he starts doing soliloquies from Macbeth. There's another part yeah. that was like Merchant of Venice. And it's just nonsense. And he did it. He talked without pause for like 15 minutes. And it, he was into it. He was not. He was cracking up, but he was into it. He was like giving it his full thing. And we couldn't breathe. I mean, it was it was debilitating. It was like getting maced. I mean, it, it was it was the dumbest shit I've ever heard anyone say coherently, not just rambling, but coherently. And no one remembers it. So we're trying to piece that together. But yeah. Um, yeah. Goat sent this, to, I think, a few people just to make sure it was out there. But I have the very end MP4, which is the last episode you guys did. And I listened to it because obviously it's on my computer now and I'm not going to not listen to it considering it was a. Uh, it was glorious, um, but it made me just want to watch the whole thing, and that's not possible. I was able to sit in like on a, maybe four or five games a little bit after they started because they gave me access, but it, it was it like was really hard to st- yeah, it was really hard to kind of just fall in and be like I don't know Dark Heresy at this time because I was really new to tabletop. Still, I never even heard of 40k lore besides orc, 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 and all that other meme stuff. Yeah. For the emperor and all of a sudden it's like are these then i had like as you guys are playing i'm looking up what the heck a tech priest is what's a magos uh what's a psyker like everything that's going on at some point i was just like you know what i it's a bad time to come in it's kind of like coming like every three weeks i sit in on one session doesn't really work out but that last episode was solid Oh yeah, and it it just went. It was it was so so long of a campaign, and we are slowly because Goat and I are both so fucking busy with our day jobs. But um, we are slowly getting these together this, to tell the story of it. Um, 
and it's going to be pretty good. It's going to be like a radio play, and it's it's going to be the story of, we got chapter one done. I'm working on chapter two. Goat's working on chapter three, and it's going to be seven chapters altogether, but we're crunching oh, nice. down, like, we're crunching down, God, uh, like 18 months of role play into like seven one to two hour things just to kind of and then to recall all of that the best you can from the beginning yeah and and we're trying to make sure we're not because he has his dm notes we have our notes and we're trying to go through and remember the chain of events but also trying to make sure we're telling it as truthfully as possible because I don't believe 90% of the role-playing game stories out there on the internet. The green tech stories would say, yeah, and then I uh, I beat Strat up, and blah, 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 and I broke the game. No, you didn't. I'm sorry, but there's no DM in the world that will let you do stuff like that. If, if you get out of control, because it's, it's kind of like back in the day on the TG board. You'd have people who go, here's how to break the game using these rules, and blah, blah, blah. And any DM is going to look at that and go, make a new character. Yep. And you, and you go, no, no, I have this three ring binder that prove it. I don't care. Make a new character. Yeah. Like 5B has DM. that same thing. Like there is always a certain class combination that makes you go, all right, I know what you're doing. If you want to go paladin, warlock, sorcerer, so you can get, you can dump everything besides charisma. So you have, you're using charisma for your hit and damage on top of the fact that you can smite and now you can cast spells at the highest DC because you're also a sorcerer. I know what you're doing. It's one of the most, it's the most overpowered magic, like Sorlock or, uh, yeah, Sorlock build in the game. So I, I mean, it's, I like to look up guys like that so I can see when my players are trying to pull it. Well, yeah. Because like I said, I don't give a, I don't, if you can role play it, that's fine, but I definitely don't want you to be like you said earlier, the stat block. It's not about your numbers. I don't care if you walk in and you take out the whole enemy group at a time. I'm just going to make them stronger. And then you eventually you're going to be beaten because at yeah. some point I'm going to be like, all right, guess what? There's going to be a one much more challenging guy in there. That's modified. Who's going to take you on one-on-one. You'll be like, what? How does a 19 don't hit? It's like, well, he also has uh, some abilities that you have. Yeah. And I, I absolutely, I, I absolutely like making shit hard. I, I love making shit hard for players. I think that's absolutely important. And people forget that. And it's it's one of those things where people are like, yeah, I did really good on the game. And I was like, yeah, you kind of did. And they're like, well, what does that mean? I'm like, well, next one's going to be harder. And they're like, why? I'm like, well, I'm not going to let you seal club my people. <laughs> you know? That's right. It's it's not like an action movie. Um, if, if you kill the bad guys, idiot goons, the big goons come looking for their idiots. You know, they, they're going to go, hey, who's beating up my people? And, you know, it escalates. It's not just like, oh, quick, we've got them surrounded. All right, hit them one at a time. Just one at a time. We'll just feed them in like a Jackie Chan fight. And we'll just have one guy go in there and get his ass kicked with a ladder. And then send the next guy in. Just tag in. Ass kicked yeah. with a bucket and then a yeah. piece of wood and then his own fa- his own fist because he's punching them back with them. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm right there with you. I like, I'm pretty, my kind of lookout on dealing with like power curves is the head, the Hydra thing. So if you cut off the head of the Hydra, two more come back. So yeah. the more infamous you get, especially when you're dealing with intelligent creatures or like an evil boss or organization, 
if you kill the boss, there's five dudes in that organization that were already trying to kill the boss and you've opened up the slot for them and now they're going to militarize because they want to take that spot. So they're going to have some inner conflict, but now you're going to go up against the best of the best because they all want that spot. And the only reason that guy held power was because he was alive. Good luck dealing with the goons that come after because they yeah. also know who killed them. It's not like you killing them was like now forgotten. Like, oh, yeah, we could totally move in now. No, we have to deal with those guys and they were able to take the boss. We need to adjust. I, I agree. And, and and that's just the way it should be, because like the world should react to how the players are. If they are becoming legendary heroes, slayers of dragons and stuff. And the, the world's going to be like, well, we can't let that happen again. Well, yeah. I mean, the world reacts around the players, and that's one of the things I think people need to try to build in their games, is have that world change around the players. Do you have any other no-nos or pet peeves in DMing or playing games? Shit that just stands out where you want to claw your fucking eyes out. Players who cannot play their role. If you have no ability to sweet talk or fast talk or be charming, don't play a bard. Because I'm not going to allow you to go in there and be like, I'd like to uh, pers- you roll persuasion to make me get cheaper. Uh, what are you going to say? Oh, oh, um, hey, can I get that cheaper? You know what? No, you can't. Because as a, I'm the guy you're talking to now. And you have zero ability to be. Listen, I've seen better rings on dead people's fingers. And that means they weren't even <laughs> worth having. So why would I pay you more than their fingers are worth for a ring that's barely even magical? And it's like a magic, it's like a ring of protection one or something. Yeah. And, and it's like, you can play any angle you want and you could come up with shit out of your ass to impress or motivate or whatever. And then you may even get advantage or, you know, something or an easier DC on persuading him. But if you legit just go like, I'd like to go buy a boat, but also roll for persuasion to see if I can get it for cheaper. I'm like, all right, so this is what you did. You walked up. I'd like to buy a boat. Persuade. You're, you're and just you're like, oh, you persuade. got me. Yeah. <laughs> or it might work because it's just too weird. You know, where you're just like, wow, I, I'll give you what you want. This guy just weirded me out. He bamboozled me. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, throw yourself oh, in I got your one character. more, though. I got one. And Please. This, this one's the hardest one to deal with because there's so many great players out there that you don't want to stop them. But the Chad Barbarian, 18 strength, 14 decks, 16 con, 8 intelligence, 8 wisdom, 8 charisma. He's the guy in the group who has all the good ideas, does most of the talking, does not play to his character at all, even though he dumpstatted everything that can make him even a, like a functional in society. Like yeah. if you're if you're an eight and anything, you're below people. Like you're not like conversations are hard for you. Thinking is hard for you. Noticing things is hard for you because you're so like you're too busy looking at your flexing and you're kissing your arms and gun show <laughs> gun show and then those are the players who are like uh how about we do this it's like i mean i get it like if you want to do that outside of character to give the other players some conversation fine but don't dump stat and then pretend that your stats are what you picked because i exactly and, and that annoys me because it's like i know what you did but you've also chosen to not be the guy people are going to talk to, listen to, or notice things. So I'm not going to give you a free pass just because you wanted to be strong, bad, 
punch face McGee. I, I agree with you on that. Um, my my no-nos are awful DMPCs. You know, something to yoke the party around. I hate that shit. I hate bad world-building projects. Um, I, I hate really bad world-building projects where someone is like, I've, I've been working on this world for five years. And you're like, oh, okay, you get in there. And they try to convince you that every blade of grass and every door and every magic shop is the best magic shop ever written. And they just literally paint the wall with words and it just hurts to slog through the world because as much as the dm cares for it no one else does it's 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 something where this person should have written a novel which is a great way to get that out there create oh, yeah. a novel write a role-playing game book create a game setting for people but as far as like dming nitpicks don't hold people's head underwater if you make a custom world cool but write a book for it so people can take what they want from it and build their own little things but i i hate awful world building porn where it's it's just this really weird world um i i hate morons that think pun pun and similar threads of thought from reddit or 4chan or whatever actually work in tabletop because any dm with more than two brain cells is going to kill you or say no um, these are the what ifs and the uh, what about brigade. These people don't play tabletop. I don't like uh, theory crafting and power building because that shit never holds up. Uh, if you build someone who's overpowered, the DM will fuck you up or just won't let you play. And I, I think that, that also kind of ruins what makes role playing games good. Um, and the other thing that I find is really pet PV is where people try to follow what they've seen elsewhere, like in books or movies. So, you know, the the good drow. Yeah, I get it. You like Drizzt. Show me your good drow. Don't play Drizzt. Um, or someone who is really into Star Wars. And they're like, I want to be Luke Skywalker. I want to be Han Solo or what have you. Play your own character. You can be influenced by these things. You can very easily be influenced by these things i mean i i more or less played cervantes uh in um don quixote i played don quixote's pal to a friend of mine who played a knight and um it was one of those things where having fun going around being like the uh assistant to a really shitty knight and trying to convince him he's really good at his job you know you can you can draw stuff from old books but make it your own don't don't just don't just copy paste it and you know I, I i've run in games where people ripped shit out of movies and you know video games and that's fine to start with but always put your own spin on it to copy it exactly is really weird um and and those are more or less my my pet peeves do you have any last minute thoughts mr Diggs? at the end of the day just have fun and make yeah. sure that the group and DM know what you want out of your tabletop games because there's nothing more frustrating than trying to build a world for someone than finding out that the what you're presenting to them in the game or what you want out of the game doesn't match because you know you're it's everyone's fault if it, if someone doesn't work out but there's also there's also people who don't work with some people and some DMs don't work for some players like uh most recently we had someone in one of the newer games I joined who wanted to roll to fail uh hmm. so in in that sense he they didn't have enough information about the world to move forward 
So they kept asking him, hey, can I roll an, an idea dice or something to know something or push the world forward with dice? I'm like, I, and, and I spoke up, not being the DM, goes, I, I think at some point the DM is going to present an opportunity for us. So don't feel like you have to try to force the narrative if you're lost, because this is a new game. We're all lost. We have we are right. And we're all based in the same world and we have what information he's presented us. But the, at the end of it, don't feel like rolling is your way out. And don't and if understand that there is a difference between rolling for something there's no way you should know versus rolling for something you might have known. Because if it's never been presented to you or your backstory, there's no way you can just be like Oh, I natural 20 on a history on what this random new God is. So can you tell me about the random new God? No, because it just got created. Like there is a limitation to what your roles can do, but you can give them information around it. Like, well, you can tell that it ha- like from your sense of knowledge t- studies and such, you can tell that this is something that's never been documented. You know, you can give them some round information, but you cannot roll to know things. There's no way to know. And I, I agree with you. And I, I think communication is key, but also know, live your character. That's that's what I always try to tell people is live your character. Like if you're guys dumb, just watch movies with dumb people in it. Read books with dumb protagonists and play dumb. Don't try to overthink things. If, if you have a character who's a coward, watch original Star Trek. Watch, you know, <laughs> w- w- watch Mud where he's like, oh, dear, my wife, oh, you know, you watch someone who's afraid of their own shadow. And it's fun to play these characters because you you just kind of get in that mindset of um, creating and building and having these these fun experiences by just throwing yourself into it. And, you know, do your best to not be afraid of fucking up, because if you fuck up, but you do it with friends, it can still be fun, much like, you know, the verbal slip with your character. Yeah, the uh, yeah, but it yeah, was hilarious. It was, and I, I thought that was a really cool way to kind of get everyone comfortable with being in the game because now everyone's laughing together, and that kind of breaks that immediate tension of new gameness. So that yeah. overall was great. Uh, I think the only last thing I'd probably want to say is uh, meta gaming. Um, there's nothing more annoying to me as a DM to know that you're looking through websites to find out how much something costs when these NPCs don't give a shit what it's listed as. They're trying to make money. So if you come at me, it was like, oh, I looked it up. A uh, healing potion is 50. It's like, yeah, but it took them time and money to make it. So they want 75. Well, can I get them down to 50? It's like, what? first of all, how do you know it's 50? Or why do you know that that enemy has resistance to lightning? Or anything that comes up that could undermine the DM trying to present the world because you're too busy looking up information is something that right. really annoys me. But also people who want to roll medically because... Just uh, yesterday, or I think the day before, I was playing in a new D&D game. Two gnomes went up, said, started a tab, and sat down at their table, and they were both players. After they left and they went to the table, I walked up as my character and was like, uh, yeah, I'm, be- I'm with them, just put it on their tab. And I rolled a persuade and I rolled a 20. And he's like, all right. So to, to fill the lie, to make sure it worked, I walked towards their table and I sat right behind them. They don't know that I'm building up their tab and I'm drinking it and eating a shit ton, but it's on their tab. Cool. But as I'm doing yeah. that, one of the players at the table is like, can I roll to see if I noticed that? I'm like, you're first off. You wouldn't. Yeah, you yeah, wouldn't. There is no world that you know what I'm doing. I'm a random patron talking to a bartender, which is completely normal. And I take a drink and I go sit down. Where in there are you like, he's up to something. 
Yeah, well, you wouldn't know. And, and it's it's one of those things where I think you have to roll with it. You have to roll with it. And one of the things I've found is people don't know how to settle disputes and problems in games. So, like, if you did that to me in the game, I would go, oh, cool. Now we can have, like, this kind of rivalry you know, between our characters, like, you know, a year from now, you know, like you're dangling off a cliff and I could reach down and save you. But I'd be like, oh, remember that tab, you know, and, and it, w- it would be, you know, you, oh, God. it creates that moment, you know, where you could you could be really petty or be like, you know, you say my character saves yours and he's like, well, you're going to have to pay that tab back now. And you're like, ah, you know, sorry. <laughs> But it oh, it's, it's it adds. Yeah, to the they game. lean over. It's like, hey, time to settle up. <laughs> it's yeah. like, what? <gasps> no, you owe me eight dollars. You know, just just play with it and have fun. But a, a lot of people don't get that you should have fun with that. But no, I I think those are really beautiful points. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Tex. It's no, always problem. a pleasure. In, indeed, hail Cargonia and praise Zorg. Praise Zorg. <laughs>